Matt Stepp, today's Labor Day, celebration of the American worker. I understand today is also Canadian Labor Day. Yes, and they are also celebrating the American worker because that's the Canadian way. Step and step your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas football and texasfootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Tepper. And I'm the step Matt step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football subscriber. We do love you very much and welcome into the third week of, uh, of the season. Um, this is, uh, we're now like, we're into it now. This is like, this is really like, we're, we we're in the are- thick of it. That, but Labor Day have cap happening early in the year just it kind of throws you off just a little bit. It's like just when we're starting to get into the rhythm, we get a holiday thrown at us. That, that that does kind of throw me for a loop this week. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like so this is so so I consider this to be week three. Labor Day occurs in week three of the Texas high school football season. We've had it, it like depending on the calendar, it can fall like week one, right? Like right out of the, or like not week one, but week two, like right yes. out of the shoot. I want to say it was week two last year. I, it might be. I think it's like state where most years state is like the week before Christmas, mm-hmm. but every couple of years it's like Christmas, like the day before Christmas Eve, you know? So yeah, so, I think it's one of those, it's a weird, it's a weird year this year. Yeah. And the other thing for me is, is I, everyone asks me, it's like, Hey, what are you doing for Labor Day weekend? And it's like the same thing I've been doing for a decade, which is working a work day like, for us. Monday is oh a gosh. very busy day in the Dave Campbell's world. I can't um, like I have not had an enjoyable Labor Day in like in a decade. Like I just, you know, since, well, since well, I, took, sir, before I, I took this job. I enjoy high school football, so I I I don't know what you speak of, sir. Oh, here we go. Here here comes high horse <laughs> step. Oh, I like high school football, so I don't know what you're talking about. No, I know what um, you mean. You, you haven't had a chance uh, to like do like the holiday thing. Do, no, do you, do you, like do I can't you take bust a, out the I, grill one more time and throw some burgers yeah, down in the grill. The yeah, evening? we you know Saturday we went to the pool, um, okay. there at uh, like the community pool, and then we were there for like an hour, and then a kid pooped in it. I'm not kidding; it wasn't my kid, and that just you know ruins the whole thing. Yeah, a real pool pooper, and uh, and so we had to leave. Literally. Um, yeah, so we so you know we've done some kind of end of summer things and stuff, but like you know I don't know it's it's it's. This is such a strange holiday. Like there's a couple of holidays that everyone else gets to celebrate and I don't. And this is like one of the, like, I really, uh, I, I think I've, t- I've said this before, but like I've been invited to go to the Byron Nelson, like free tickets to the Byron Nelson, like each of the last eight years. And I can never go because it's always right in the middle of like the busiest magazine season. Yeah. yeah. Like. Well, Between you know, you that, can make up for it with that big Columbus Day celebration that you always oh have. Oh, yeah, I'm just uh, letting it rip on Indigenous yeah, Peoples Day. Yeah, the Greg Tepper, you know. Yeah. Now, I prefer to refer, I refer to it as Canadian Thanksgiving. You know, ah, see, you know, yeah. Canadian, Canadian Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving also falls on Indigenous Peoples Day here in the U.S., a.k.a. Columbus Day, whichever. It's a holiday. It's a bank holiday for me. but It's, it's a bank holiday. I, I prefer to call it Canadian Thanksgiving because that means I get two Thanksgivings. 
This is your week three preview edition of Tep and Step. We do thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football subscriber. Coming up here in just a little bit, we're going to kind of give a quick overview of what we thought of week two, followed by our week three game draft, letting you know which are the biggest games in the, te- in the state of Texas coming up this week in Texas high school football. But first, Matthew, we will start as we always do with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. And this is real simple, real plain Jane. Matt Stepp, there are four UIL 11-man teams that are averaging 60-plus points per game this season. Um, And in fact, I'll go one step further. All four of them are averaging at least 66.5 points per game. Matt Stepp, can you name all four? I know Cameron Yo is one. 66 and a half points per game. They are fourth on this yes. list. Yes, and the Camarillo was one because I wrote the, I wrote about it in their, their preview this week. Oh, the others. <sighs> That's a tough one. I'll uh, give you one, one clue. Okay. One clue on one of them, which is they've only played one game. Oh, okay. Uh, Gunner, probably, because they beat Cedar Hill Trinity 67 to 6. Correct. Gunner is averaging 67 points a game because they've only played one game. They scored 76 in them. Yeah. Two yeah, more. Seems to be pretty good. Um, man, now we're getting tough. I can't I tweeted about one of them. Although I do have your tweets set on <laughs> set Alert. on alerts. Um, is it Miles? I know Miles had a big first game. It is not. Miles is uh, not in the top five. They are averaging, oh, <laughs> they're averaging a paltry 54 and a half points Dang a game. What's wrong? Okay. What's wrong with the Bulldogs? Light <laughs> it up. Eight, eight, that eight. offense. Yeah. Seven, eight, seven. <laughs> Something's wrong. Um, two and oh. They are, they are two and oh. Uh, dang it. Okay. I'll give uh, you, I'll give yeah. you what, last, last hint. One of them is a 3A team, and one of them is a 5A team. 5A team, huh? And the 5A team has a coach with spectacular hair. Ooh, right here, 5A. It's a good tell. It's a good yeah, clue. it's a good one, but I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on it. 3A... Uh, not Bushland. Bushland didn't score enough in their first game. Well, they're only in the 40s. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm stumped. You stumped me, Tep. All right. The 3A team, which is averaging 67 points a game, the 2-0 Ponder Lions. Ponder. Oh, they did score 70 beat, last week. They beat Valley View 64-14 to in the opener, and they beat four with Dunbar and what the computer considers to be a decent little upset. 70 to 57. So Kyle Cooper's Lions are roaring. And you're missing the highest scoring team in UIL 11 man football, Matt Sepp, and that is the Fulcher Chargers. Caduti. Yeah. Coach Nick Caduti and his exceptional hair. Team hard um, part. They are 2 and 0. They hung 74 on Strake in week one. And then just just for fun, they hung 77 on Fort Ben Clements uh, to give the state's best 75 and a half points per game this season. Just got to keep that up. I mean, you know, averaging 
I feel like if they average seventy five points a game, they'll win most of their games. That's just if they if they lose if they average seventy five points a game and don't win the state championship undefeated, I'm gonna have serious questions about their defensive coordinator. I don't even know who their defensive coordinator yeah. is right now, yeah, yeah. but I'm gonna be like, oh man, dude, you're getting seventy five points of That's terrible. Of, of, of offensive support, and you're giving up seventy six. Um, anyway, there it is. The Fulcher Chargers, the state's uh, scoring leaders uh, through two weeks. Your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. All right, Matthew, it is time to take a look back at week two. And and I thought week two was much, uh, much calmer waters than we saw um, in week one, at least as far as the widespread craziness is concerned. Yeah, it was kind of limited um, to 5A Division two. <laughs> Five, yeah. It was kind of centered in 5A Division two this time. Dude, 5A Division 2 is because I do. So to pull back the curtain, I have the final say. You have the final say. It's a collaborative effort between all the whole staff on the rankings. But um, but you have a, you have the final say on 6A. I have the final say on 5A. You have the final say on 4A, 3A. Ish has the final say on 2A. I do 1A in private. And so when we were going through 5A Division 2, I was like, dude, this is a bloodbath. Like... And, and you're now kind of stuck with a couple of your, like, I'll be honest. I took a look at the five, a division two rankings and I don't like them very much. Mm-hmm. Like just because every one of these teams, maybe with the exception of Argyle. And even them, I have a couple of questions about their defense. Like there's no team in five, a division two that I'm like, I love this team. I think they're going to be like, they all seem like they have some sort of wart. Mm-hmm. And so I, like, number one, <laughs> hey listen I, I felt for you i felt for you. <sighs> it was tough it was tough it was tough friday night um you were you were in our slack i think you were trying to keep a calm public face I was, uh, about I was. about your your beloved bulldogs almost pulling the upset and then getting their heart ripped out in the final play yeah um to stevenville yep. but um but yeah i, I know you're hurting buddy uh, if it helps Capel's two and oh Oh yeah, it makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, there you go. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, it was it, the 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 um, it was all central centered around five A division two, um, and you know last week we did the panicking type things and and things like that. So I kind of want to flip this on its head. Okay. Is there a team that two weeks in? Because we've talked a lot about oh these teams have underachieved. Oh South Oak Cliff, Alito, Owen two, um, you know some programs like that. Are there some teams that you kind of identify across the state that have overachieved your expectations that have you rethinking saying, okay, maybe they've got a little something here. Huh? Uh, I'll, you know, in four, a, uh, Navasota has really surprised mm-hmm. me early in the year. I think they've got two strong wins on their resume. Um, I would say they're probably right there at the top as, as, "Quote unquote over mm-hmm. overachieving at the moment." Um, Belleville, how about Belleville at two and zero? We thought Belleville? they might take a step back with losing Richard Reese and um, oh gosh, the guy that went to Utah State. I can't think of his name now. Robert oh, Briggs. Yeah. Robert, Robert Briggs. Bell. How about fifty five nothing over Stafford on a Friday night? That's a good Stafford team, and they just completely, completely wiped the floor with them. So. Yeah, um, those are two and four that have overachieved that have surprised me early that, that maybe I didn't think much. Uh, how about the panhandle? How about boys ranch and Memphis starting in Booker, all three starting out two and Jeez. Oh, and granted those three have not played what I would call the toughest non-district schedule early on. But for those three programs who have been 
struggling mightily over the past few years to all three be two and oh, I, I think says a little something. Um, and then going back to four, a Waco Conley, how about their big win over Waco La Vega last week? Conley at two and oh, um, has really impressed me early on. So those are kind of some teams that have early on jumped off the page um, at me with, with strong starts. Yeah, those are, those are some really good ones. Um, there's a couple of others that I think are, are, are worth mentioning. And this is, this is, boy, this is as, as, as nerdy as it gets. And they'll get a good test this week. I've actually been pretty impressed with what Brookshire Royals putting down. Mm-hmm. Um, two and oh, um, a really nice win over Houston fur last week. That was a fur team that we had kind of talked about. They, you look at their record, you look at their schedule, you're like, dude, they can go undefeated. And and to go and to beat them pretty soundly, I thought was imp- impressive. Big game this week against Iowa Colony to prove like it's not a it's not a fluke. But I'm I'm buying in on that. I know you are not surprised because I know you were pretty high on them. But the Breckenridge Buckaroos, yeah, um, two and zero, oh, good wins over Jacksboro, and then last week drilling Childress. That's um, on the road. So they, they, they went to Childress and, and pooped mm-hmm. all over their home. And they get Cisco this week, and they're bigger than Cisco. But that would be a real nice feather. That would be a real nice one, to, like resume one, two, three, if they were able to put that at together. That game might come um, up in the game draft. That game could come up. Mm-hmm, just saying. Mm-hmm. Byron um, Nelson's another one. I, I just Byron, Byron Nelson. That's a strong two and zero start for Byron Nelson. Big game this week against Braswell. Yeah, um, I would also throw out, and maybe it's maybe it's it's because we've wanted to jump on their bandwagon in the past, and and they haven't really given us any any opportunity to. Um, Liberty Ilo out in Texarkana, they've got wins over Henderson and Paris, and and yeah, those two teams are a combined zero and four, but like I don't know, past past Liberty Ilo teams are zero and two at this point, and yeah. even with those games, so and, and that's not a, get that's a team about. Liberty Island is not going to get talked about because Pleasant Grove and Gilmer are going to suck up a lot of the oxygen in the room. That could mm-hmm. be a real sneaky number three seed come playoff time if yeah. they continue this path. Yeah, those are those are just a couple of teams that that I think really you know really kind of kind of caught my eye. I'd also throw out a team like Lancaster, and 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 maybe we'll find out more about them this week, and maybe it'll come up in the game draft. Who's to say? But um, but they that win over South Oak Cliff last week was thorough. And, um, and I don't know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I may be, I may be willing to buy a little bit of stock in Leon Paul's tigers this year. So in Weibo. So anyway, there's, there's a look at some teams that, that have impressed us through the first couple of weeks. All right, Matthew, it is time for our game draft for week three. Uh, if this is your first episode of Tep and Step. Welcome. Here's how it works. Step and I go back and forth, selecting games that we are most interested in. Uh, not necessarily the best games, the games we are most interested in. Um, so don't yell at me. This is a personal preference thing. Um, and then uh, once it's picked, it's off the board. Uh, we go five rounds, and then we round it all out with America's favorite segment, uh, the Hipster Game of the Week. Um, and uh, Which, by the way, oh, your Hipster Game last week was Hillsborough and... Whitney. Whitney. How'd that game turn out? Uh, that's a good question. Because mine was, um, it was Harlandale and San Antonio Harlandale and San Antonio. God bless who they play. Was it Edison? It was Edison. Yeah. And that game yeah. came down to like the wire. That game was like, it was 20, 20 to 14 was the final in that district showdown. And it's like, now Harlandale won. So it's like, all is kind of steady as far as like the craziness is concerned, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like, it's, like it just, it just proves like how tightly packed all those teams are. Like we said, 
Yeah, my so, hipster game didn't turn out super good. Forty-eight uh, six Whitney. <laughs> so good I job, swung, a, swung a miss there. Um, but anyway, we did a coin We did coin flip for the show. Step did the coin flip or won the coin flip, so he gets pick one one of this week's draft. Matt Step, where are you heading with your first pick in week three? Uh, I'm going to the Houston area, a game that will be live on Texan Live on Friday night. Shout out Ashley Pickle and the Texan Live crew. 2-0 Spring Westfield visits 2-0 Galena Park North Shore. And what it's a great week of games on Texan Live, and this is one of them. Uh, I'm fired up for this one because if you remember last year, Westfield beat North Shore. Gave, gave mm-hmm. the must, it's a battle of Mustangs who are both red and black, which is always weird. Uh, but Spring Westfield gave North Shore their only loss of the season last year. Can they do it mm-hmm. again? Uh, Westfield, the first two weeks, has b- both teams, first of all, have been just an absolute flamethrower through Dude. two games. Wrecking uh, so machines. This this is a top 10 matchup in 6A. I think a lot of eyes in the Houston area and the state are going to be on this one. Uh, Westfield beat uh, Hightower 51-29 to last week, and, and that score is deceptively... Does not tell the whole story. That game was up, I want to say, 45 nothing in the third quarter before Westfield uh, called off the dogs in that one. But it was P.J. Hatter in that offense uh, com- continue yeah. to dominate. P.J. Hatter has been putting on a show in his first two games there for Westfield after moving um, down the road from Klein Oak. Uh, they've been impressive. The Westfield defense is a little undersized, but they're really, really fast. They, they get after it, and that speed matchup, they're going to need that speed this week against a North Shore offense that is cooking with Crisco as well. Uh, Caleb Bailey and that crew, uh, 42 to nothing over spring. And, and I watched a good portion of this game on Saturday evening. And it, it felt like North Shore, to, to be perfectly honest, was just kind of going through the motions. And they were still just, yeah. they were black. It, it was 28 it looked, and a half. It looked real just, casual for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Caleb Bailey threw four touchdown passes. David Amador, the UTSA commit, caught a couple of them. You know, North Shore's they're one of their best players, uh, Dion DeBlanc, hasn't even played yet. I'm not sure if he's injured or if his paperwork is not cleared yet with the UIL, but he hasn't played in the first two games. If North Shore gets him back, they're going to be even more lethal on the offensive side of the ball. And what's impressed me is that North Shore defense is just – they, they were young. We knew the secondary was going to be pretty good, but we had questions about the front seven. So far, I've, I've got no questions about the front seven. They've been outstanding early in the season. So um, I'm fired up about this one. I think North Shore at home, Westfield's going to have their attention because of what Westfield did last year to them. Now, Westfield, for whatever reason, Westfield, they may underachieve at times in the playoffs, but they always get up for this game. They always play North Shore tough. I think this will be a really good ball game. I think North Shore pulls away late and gets the win, but I think this is going to be a really interesting test uh, for both teams to kind of see where they stack up in the pecking order. Well, and especially for two teams that have just frankly have, they have not been challenged. Like they have not, uh, you know, these two teams, like this is a, these are two teams that have just mowed through everybody. And you're exactly right about Westfield. Like I was paying attention because that was a Thursday night game with Hightower last week. Right. Um, and and so I was paying attention yes, to that game. Night, yeah. And that game got that game got like there was a lot of cosmetic scoring late. Do, do, make no mistake. That was I mean, let's be real. That was a butt kicking. They whipped them up and down the field. And and for North Shore, you know, North Shore is a, a program, you know, or a team this week that has, or rather this year that has played two games. They have scored. They have beaten their two opponents 
a combined, what is it, 90, 91 to 21? And those 21 points were all to the Woodlands, and all but seven of them were in garbage time. Yeah, like, it was 42-7 it in the second quarter. They have played a lot of garbage time football this year. Like, a lot of it. And both of them have. And, like, this is, for me, a real a real marker for both of these teams. Because Westfield, correct me if I'm wrong, but Westfield's a D2 team? Uh, most um, likely, yeah. Yeah, I think most so. likely. I think there is a path where they go D1. I'm looking at the... Um, they can go D1... But a right now, break right. Eh. right. Well, I don't know. Kind of depends you, on which... that district's kind of. I mean, spring is way down this year, so yeah. So you never know. Just, yeah. Uh, right now, I'd say they probably go D. I don't know if Nimitz gets in. If it's if it's the spring schools and it's Nimitz, then like. Who knows? Anyway, all that's to say, um, one of these teams, one of those all teams will figure it out. All that's to say, let's put it this way. If one of these teams, if, if North Shore, let's just say hypothetically, North Shore goes out there and they beat the brakes off of Westfield, like just which there's a 10% chance that happens. Mm-hmm. Like, are there sirens going off across the state of Texas at that point of like, this is a murder machine that, that they've built down there in, in Galena Park? Yeah, I um, think so. And kind of the same so. way for Westfield. Like if yeah. Westfield no contests North, North Shore, then like everybody needs to be sitting up and paying attention. Um, I'm a lot to learn from this game. A lot to learn from this game. And uh, I believe it's the final non-district game for both these teams. Yeah, it is. They both yes. get a bye week next week and then it's in a district play. So anyway, that's, that is the, you are right. That is the best game of the week. I asked on Twitter, I was like, what's the best game of the week? And everyone's throwing out their games. And I'm like, you're all wrong. It's North Shore and Westfield. Shocked that everyone's game. throwing out the games that their favorite teams are involved in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But the answer is North Shore and Westfield. It's a good pick. My first pick, Matthew. I believe this is the second time that this team is going to show up in our draft in three weeks, but they, they just keep scheduling these great games. Let's go out East 7 30 PM Friday night in Dangerfield, Texas as the two and O Dangerfield Tigers welcome in the two and O Timpson bears in a state ranked three a versus two a matchup. And uh, if you are into fireworks, um, I would suggest you find your way out to Dangerfield, Texas this weekend. This will be the fireworks factory. This game, this game is going to get after it. Um, so we've talked, we've talked about Thames and we'll talk about them in just a moment, but this Dangerfield team may be flying a bit under your radar. I think that win over Tatum is a really nice win. Tatum, I think I mentioned this on Twitter. There's a chance that Tatum starts 0 and 6 and they're the best 0 and 6 team of all time. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like they they play so they they lost to they're center in quad No, not at all. Uh in, like so they lost to center in quadruple overtime. They lose a respectable game at Dangerfield last week. Uh this week they're a pick'em against Pittsburgh who's a 4A. Then they play West Rusk who's I believe still state ranked. They yes. play yeah. Lum- they play Lumberton who is right on the outside of the rankings. Then they open up district play with Gladewater. Like they could be 0 and 6 and be like one of the 20 best teams in 3A Division 1. Mm-hmm. 
Like, uh, it's, anyway, it's crazy. It's that there. So I think you look at that score and you're like, man, Dangerfield only beat Tatum by 13 points. But like I said, Tatum is a really good team, and they're a bigger yes. team than Dangerfield. They're they're a 381. Yeah. Um. So anyway, that's this is not about Tatum. This is about Dangerfield because Dangerfield looked really good last week. Chase Johnson, their quarterback, was spectacular. 406 yards and six touchdowns passing. Um, they looked really good. The defense did get pushed a little bit. And if you want to throw up a small red flag for that, because it's weird. They've played two games and they've both been really different. Like they beat Gladewater in the opener in like a low scoring slugfest. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of got into a shootout with Tatum. Anyway. So, so here's Timpson and Timpson, it, we, uh, we also, you know, we, we got to see Terry Bussey and then we left him alone. And while he was gone, he kept being Terry Bussey. Like he didn't stop being Terry Bussey. Um, how many he's touchdowns really he have on the year? He's, he's, he had seven in the first game and he had eight last week. He, had, he, okay. he ran for six and threw for two last week. Cool. So he is averaging That's, seven and a half touchdowns a game. So he'd be on pace for 75 regular season touchdowns, which seems pretty good. You take that if you can get it. Yeah. Um, he's spectacular. He's a, he's different. and But this is, in my opinion, this is pretty clearly the best defense that they will have faced. And that is going to be a big challenge. And furthermore, um, and I know that the Beckville, Beckville kind of tacked on some late scores. I don't know how that Jefferson game played out, like, like as far as the, the game flow concerned. But mm-hmm. like... Their defense has given up some plays here and there. Um, there are plays to be made against against this team. Um, a lot of this ultimately comes down to can anybody slow down? Um, can anybody slow down Terry Bussey? Aaron Hampton, of course, the superstar kind of prospect there for, on the Dangerfield team. I think this is a real, this is a great measuring stick for both of these teams. And if Timpson is able to continue to do their offensive magic like this, then they in my mind, continue to be the favorite out of region three and potentially the favorite to win it all in two, a division one. Yeah. I, so remember last year when Timson played Wascom and they beat Wascom and we were all like, Whoa, that's, yes. that's a huge win. Similar chance for Tatum this week. Cause Dangerfield is ranked number two in three, a division two mm-hmm. in this week's poll. But I think mm-hmm. it's a different challenge for Timson because I don't think Timson up front is as good as they were last year. And so Dangerfield traditionally is not very good up front. So you, you almost look at it like a stalemate in the trenches. But I think as athletic as Timson is, I think Dangerfield has a little bit more athleticism. And they've got a guy in Bubba Hampton who is the equal to Terry Bussey as far as being just a, a straight-up freak show at a small school level. So mm-hmm. I almost feel like in this matchup, Dangerfield is just a little bit at the skill spots, just has a little bit more depth and they're a little bit faster. And Tatum can't make up for that difference in the trenches this year. So that's, I think I feel like that's the difference going into this game. That's my read on it early. Now Timson may go out prob- and, and you know Terry Bussey may just go nuts. That's how I feel going into this one. You're probably right. Watching Timson up front um, in person in Week One, my thought was they're good, not great up front. Last year they were pretty great up front. Now maybe they've grown, continue continue to grow, but you know that's kind of my read on it. I think you're right. I think I like Dangerfield in a very close one, but um, but I think but even a very close loss would not change my opinion of Timson. You know that's you know yeah. again they're playing a, a a top three team in classification above them. So anyway, I'm taking Timson and Dangerfield. What is your second pick, Matthew? I'm going to go to Central Texas, and we're surprising Cameron Yo at two and zero. Host fellow surprise Waco Connolly at two and zero, 
in, in a big game down there in the Super Syntex. And, and for Connolly, I, I felt we felt like they would be pretty good this year. And I know uh, they, you know, people might have wrote, wrote them off when uh, Trey Wisner transferred to DeSoto, but they haven't mm-hmm. missed a beat. I mean, Kobe Black and Jelani McDonald, the Oklahoma State commit, ha- have been outstanding. And, and they, the, the cadets got a huge win last week over La Vega, 35-34. And McDonald did a little bit of everything. He had 184 yards rushing, three touchdowns. He threw a touchdown pass. He had a big game on the defensive side of the ball. It's the second week in a row that he's just flat out gone off on both sides of the ball. And he's he's one of those dynamic playmakers that, that you don't see very often at the 4A level. And he, he's really a special player. And if you haven't had a chance to watch him play, he's fun to watch. And for Cameron Yo. Rick Rhodes has kind of got that thing up, up and running. You know, Cameron had mm-hmm. struggled the past couple of years. Rick Rhodes last year got there. Took it's taken him a year to kind of get things reestablished. And man, they they're off to a, a great start. They they destroyed Yoakum last week, and I don't know if that's more of a red flag on Yoakum or maybe it's telling us how good Yo is. But Yo beat him sixty two to twenty eight. That's impressive. Uh, Cardarius Bradley two hundred thirty seven yards rushing, four touchdowns. And he also had a kickoff return for a touchdown. And like like he said at the beginning of the show, Yo was averaging 67.5 points a game. Uh, that's pretty good as well. Now, this is going to be the, by far their biggest test of the year uh, because, you know, Connolly is a, a legitimate, you know, three, four round playoff team in 4A Division Two. Yo is definitely taking a step up in this game. Um, I think there, there's, there's going to be some fireworks in this game. I'm, I'm looking for a shootout, first one to 50 wins. Give me Connolly in, a, in, in an absolute shoot, track me fifty two forty five kind of game. I think you're right, and this is you know I think I think your read on Connolly is spot on. I think I said this on the air last week. I say a lot of things on the air. I can't be held responsible for what I say on the air. Um, that Connolly, not. you're spot on. That I think everybody thought that when Connolly, like they started burying Connolly when Trey Weissner left. They're like, okay, well that's it, good run, cadets. But like, then you look up and down the roster, and you're like, whoa, okay. Now they still got a lot of dudes. Now I don't know if they have the depth. That's a, but that's a conversation for a different day because they're playing a team that's smaller than them in three A. Um, this is a really interesting test, and I think that you're right. I think that this has the opportunity to really get up and down, and and two teams that are just kind of anxious to get the ball back. And I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be fireworks. If this game ends 10 to seven, I'm going to be super disappointed. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I think so. we're going to find out a lot about Connolly the next two weeks because I they got so. China spring and Brownwood, but China, actually the next three weeks, China spring, Brownwood and Springtown in a row. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll learn more about the Connolly cadets in the future. I, I, I think things to shoot out. I think, but I think, yo, especially with little river struggling the way they have early mm-hmm. in the season, I think, yo, is starting to ascend into that talk with Lorena and Franklin as kind of that third team in 11-3A Division One with with uh, Little River having such problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's your second pick, Yo and Connolly. I am going to bounce up to the Metroplex, and for the hot mess that is 5A Division Two, perhaps we'll get a little bit more clarity this week with a top six matchup as 7.30 p.m. Friday night. Let me make sure I get this right. 7.30 p.m. Friday night at, or 7 o'clock Friday night, at Mustang Panther Stadium in scenic Grapevine, Texas. You have the number six Grapevine Mustangs at 2-0, welcoming in suddenly the number one team in 5A Division Two, the Argyle <laughs> Eagles at 2-0. Yeah. And 
your read on this game is entirely a dependent on your read on what to make of that Argyle Lovejoy game last week. Because That's, that thing was crazy. Because on one hand, you say Argyle goes out there on the road, beats a top two team in 5A Division two in what is really, I mean, yeah, they played Melissa last week or in, in week one, but like we kind of talked about how, oh, it's Melissa. They're also moving on from 4A. You know, they're kind of their old bunkmates, stuff like that. You could call this Argyle's first real 5A game, and they played the second best team in 5A Division two, and they beat them on, their, on, their, on the road, and they hung 722 yards on them. You could say that. You could also say, oh, so are you guys planning on giving up nearly 700 yards per game? Because that seems like a bad idea. Doesn't um, seem great. Doesn't sound great. That, that, you, have you looked at the box score that Argyle-Lovejoy game? It's it's ridiculous. Lovejoy had a receiver with 23 receptions. Argyle yeah. ran for like 600 yards. It was just a track meet. It was insane. Like nobody could get any stops. Um, and And so it was back and forth, back and forth. They win at 56-49 by kind of just kind of by attrition. Like it kind of it dawned on me as we were sitting there on scoreboard. They put up the graphic for like what happened in 5A Division 2. And I'm like, it just dawned on me. I was like, and Craig even asked me on the air. He's like, is Argyle going to be number one on Monday? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, they are. They just, everyone else lost. Like who else are you going to put there? Um, So now look, this is not to crap on Argyle because they got a ton of weapons. I mean, Jacob Robinson has been great. They are running the ball unbelievable with RJ Bunnell and Landon Ferris. We kind of talked about how them moving up to 5A Division II, they were doing so with a really solid core in the trenches, and that's really showing out early on. So here's Grapevine. Grapevine's a much more kind of, I want to say normal 2-0, but like they've played two games against two teams that they're better than, and they've beaten them. Like they played uh, Frisco Wakeland in the opener. They beat them 49-28. They played Azel last week. They kind of beat, beat the brakes off them, 58-14. to Azel is and, down this year. Oof. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of it comes down to their quarterback, Evan Baum, who has been really solid. Great dual threat. Takes care of the football. They run the ball pretty well with Parker Polk. A few different guys. My read on this situation is that I think Grapevine is a pretty good team. And I think Argyle is a crazy guy in a fight. Like, I just don't know what I'm getting from them. <laughs> like, they 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 don't. And so what happens then? It would nothing would surprise me in this game. Absolutely nothing. Argyle could go out there and they could beat Grapevine 70 to 13. And I'd say, yeah, okay. They're the number one team in the state and they're they're proving yeah. it. They could they could go out there and and Grapevine could beat them 55 to 12. And I'd be like, wow, you know what? Argyle's office didn't show up and Grapevine probably better than we thought. Or this game could be some like high scoring, wide open slugfest that gets into the fifties and ends 55, 52 in somebody's, somebody's favor. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, okay. That's just what these two teams are. I have such a poor read on this game that I'm just, I'm so fascinated by it. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an anomaly. I love it. I'm kind of with you on that. I, I don't. I mean, I, I think I put it in my preview that I don't have. I don't have a real good read on this game either. Other than this is to me, this is Grapevine's real big test. The mm-hmm. one read I do have is I think Argyle's better up front, especially their defensive line against Grapevine's offensive line. I think that might be where this game is won. This is my early read on this game, but I, but I think a good performance from Grapevine, even in a loss, I think would make us feel pretty good about Grapevine as far as being a top ten, top fifteen type team. 
mm-hmm. in a four A in four A region region one division two. Which, by the way, which, which, by the way, we just don't have a lot of those. That's a currency to be a team that we feel pretty good about being a top fifteen team in five A Division two. Right now, who are the teams you feel pretty good about being top fifteen? Argyle, Wichita Falls, Ryder. Uh, I still think Lovejoy is a top fifteen team. I still think Liberty Hill is a top fifteen team, although I have serious red flags about them. Agreed. Um, Fort Penn Marshall still think they're a top fifteen team. Texas High. Is that the list? <laughs> like, it might be at the moment. It I mean, there's be. just there's so, there's so much chaos there, and so yeah, I'm. We will start to sort out five A Division two with this game at Grapevine's Mustang Panther Stadium on Friday evening. What's your third pick, Matthew? I'm gonna go down, back down to the Houston area. It's a great week in Houston once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday night at Legacy Stadium, Bragging Rights and Katie are up for grabs as the Katie Tiger Katie Tigers take on. The Katie Tompkins Falcons, and this has kind of been the game of the year in KDISD the last couple of years. Just a couple of years ago, Tompkins in 2020 beat Katie into their long winning streak. Katie, Katie got the last laugh winning a state championship, but Tompkins has been the one team recently who has been able to stand up and, and push uh, Katie and, and challenge their dominance within the district. And with Katie ISD being a nine-team district now, we're getting this thing in week three. I mean, this district play is starting. And dare I say, the district championship could be on the line, and it's likely on the line in this ballgame. Uh, mm-hmm. Katie got down early against Atascacita. We thought Atascacita might be able to push Katie, and they did. But Katie, you know, Katie did what Katie did in, in, in the second half, got the running game going, and, and, and found a way late to knock off Atascacita 35-28 in a game that I really think showed us that Katie, you know, we, we weren't really sure what to make of Katie going into the season. I think this that, that game, just proves to us that Tascacita, uh, beating a Tascacita like that, Katie's still around. And, you know, Seth Davis had 187 yards rushing, two touchdowns, and they got the passing game going, which that was an issue last year when Katie at times struggled on offense because they couldn't throw the ball consistently. Caleb Coger had a good game. He threw a pair of touchdown passes, had over 200 yards passing, and gave the Tigers kind of that needed balance that they need on, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Tompkins? You know, they beat Bridgeland 38-14, and I think Bridgeland is down, but it's still an impressive win mm-hmm. for Tompkins to dominate like they did. Uh, Caleb uh, Komalafi and Chris Gilbert had a pair of touchdown runs for Tompkins. Um, they got the running game going. I haven't seen Tompkins, at least early in the year, have that ability to throw the ball like, they have, like they've had in the past where they could, you know, really challenge teams with the pat- vertical passing game. I don't see that, at least early on, with Tompkins. And if you're one-dimensional against Katie – that's typically bad news. So I think it's a close game, but I like Katie in this one. I think Katie, with their newfound offensive balance and their consistency on the defensive side of the ball, I think gives them the win and the early inside track to the 196A title. Yeah, this is the district championship game, in my opinion, especially like, are we put? are we worried a little, a little worried about Katie Pato? A little worried about Katie Pato? Their offense, their offense is a, leaves a lot to be desired. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's the concern. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it all shakes out, but I am, um, I'm, I'm very interested in, in how that, how that game plays out because I do think you're right that for Tompkins, this is, this is their shot. They get the shot at the King, right? They get the shot at Katie who did look very good last week. And so 
if they're if they're able to, to get it, then then suddenly they're at least in the catbird seat. Still a lot of kind of landmines to navigate uh, through the the remainder of the season. But if you can get this one in your pocket, you're feeling pretty good about your your position heading forward into that district. So that's a good pick in Katie and Tompkins. My third pick, Matthew. We are going to go down south. We are going to go seven thirty p.m. Is that right? What do you what say you? Internet seven thirty p.m. Friday night, let's go to Lavaca County, the home of the back-to-back defending 2A Division I state champion, Shiner Comanches, who welcome in unbeaten Poth in a 3A versus 2A matchup. And I am here to ask you, Matt Stepp, have you heard the good news about the Poth Pirates? I have, and I think we have Poth uh, rated what... uh... Number six in this week's poll. Mm-hmm. I, I am, I am starting to develop a little crush on Poth. I, okay. I now, now look. Do you, I do not think you can take a whole lot from last week. So last week, if you don't know, they played in the Polish Bowl. They played Fall City, and they launched False Fall City into the stratosphere, forty-one uh, nothing. Mm-hmm. Fall City, from everything that we heard, A, that is a 3A over a 2A Division 2. They play that every year because it's a great rivalry game, but that's a, 3, uh, that's a 3A over a 2A Division 2. So there's that. The other thing is, everything we hear is Fall City is down, and they are down bad right now. Yeah, they're down. So I don't, I don't know if I'd necessarily throw a lot of stock into that one, but... I do put some pretty good stock into what they did in Week 1 against Blanco. I think that's a pretty nice win. And... I I just I'll just <laughs> there's no other way to say it other than to just say I just like the cut of their jib. I like the way they play football. Mm-hmm. I think that they that is a sustainable model that Jeff Luna has built there. And uh they've got a, a, a playmaker on both sides of the ball in Matthew Bunn. They feel they've started to open up the offense for Zane Rabe. They're their quarterback a little bit. This is a team that's starting to cook a little bit. And and I and think they've got a region, great shot. And they're in a region that, that is there for the taking. Three division two region. You're absolutely right. Pretty wide open. It's right there for them, and so they've got an opportunity to make some noise. So then they're taking on Shiner. Shiner's had uh, an eventful start to the year. Um, They open up their season with a uh, a loss, a narrow loss to a three A team, and what's turned out to be a pretty good three A team in Hallettsville. Mm -hmm. Uh, Snap their thirty game winning streak. Uh, They lose, and and it's all it's all pain, and everyone is is. Is Daniel Boddicker the guy? Many people are asking, right? <laughs> He's lost what three games now as a head coach? Two? Is it two? It might be two. I think anyway, it's two. Um, He's lost two games. <laughs> I actually looked this up. Two or something. He is. His record going into this game is forty-three and two. Is yeah, Daniel Boddicker the guy? Line yeah. up the phone calls. Anyway, yeah, seven eight seven thirteen well, ten. Well, any concerns that you had about the Shiner Comanches? Uh, they got right last week. In a big way over Vanderbilt Industrial, forty-seven to nothing, and it just it just it sounds like from what we're reading, from what I'm reading, they put up four hundred seven yards of offense. They scored on seven of their first nine possessions. Um, Trace Bishop, their quarter, uh, ran the ball really well. It sounds like more than anything. Of course, they still have Dalton Brooks. It sounds like more than anything, they just kept they they stopped stepping on their own toes, like they kind of got out of their own way. And yeah. as a result, they drilled, they drilled uh, Vanderbilt Industrial. Um, 
And so now this is a real test for both. Uh, are they going to be able to go and, and on the road to a hostile environment and get a win and kind of establish themselves as the real alpha uh, in, in their own district in, in district 15 and in, in that region in region four. And for Shiner, you want to make everybody forget about that week one loss. Like you go out there and you beat Vanderbilt industrial and both in consecutive weeks and ain't nobody's ever going to mention it to you again. Like we're all just going to chalk it up. as like, Oh man, weird game. Like that's kind of what they're, what, what we can learn from this one. And for Shiner, this is a real, like which of the, which of the two teams, especially offensively, are you, are you the team that scuffled and couldn't get anything going and kept turning the ball over and kept making mistakes against Houtsville? Or are you the team that played super clean and launched Vanderbilt and industrial into the sun? So, um, I, I think we'll learn a lot about, the, what is still one of the very best teams in two A Division One, and you know the two time defending champs, and then we'll also learn a lot about Poth, which is I think that real kind of kind of hipstery type stick. team. Yeah, yeah, this is the measuring stick because and, and, and they could uh, they could jump on the statewide radar in a big way. I've got Poth number six in three A Division Two right now. I don't feel super great about that right now. Part of it's because three A Division Two mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of depth, but also Poth hasn't played anybody uh, of of note mm-hmm. yet. So I think this is the real. If Post, even if they even even if they lose but play Shiner tough, I think will make me feel pretty good about Post. So yeah. um, we're gonna learn a lot. Of, I think we're gonna learn a ton about Post in this game. I think that you're right. All right, Matthew, what is your fourth pick? Let's go out to the big country in a game that you mentioned uh, in the in the uh, pre-show there, as the two and O Cisco Big Damn Lobos take on the two and O Breckenridge Buckaroos in a big country showdown. They're at beautiful Buckaroo Stadium. Uh, you know, Cisco is coming off their annual rock fight with Wall, and that's literally, <laughs> literally what it is every year. Uh, Cisco wins 18-14. to 14, And, yeah, it was, you know, the two teams combined with 375 yards. So that just ought to tell you the kind of game that it was. It was, as, as the great Craig Way says, a rock fight. Now... Cisco comes into this one, and, and I, you wonder, are, how, are they a little beat up from that game? Because playing mm-hmm. wall is a physical test every week. And Cisco is a 2A, 2A school. They don't have a ton of depth. And they're going against a Breckenridge team. It's, that's two divisions ahead of them. Breckenridge is a 3A Division One, And Breckenridge is flying high. They went to Childress and absolutely mauled the Bobcats 35-8. to eight. Uh, Chase Lair threw a couple of touchdown passes. Anson Rogers had a touchdown run and returned a punt for a touchdown. Um, Breckenridge has got some firepower. We saw them in seven on seven. They can they can throw the ball around and and Casey Pierce has got this thing turned around in a big way. Um, I don't know if Cisco, as good as they are in two A, has the firepower or the depth to keep up with Breckenridge in this ball game. I, I think Breckenridge is gonna gonna get a second straight really nice feather in their cap win over a smaller school, but a, but an elite smaller school. Mm-hmm. In this one, I think it'll be a big crowd. Cisco's not that far away from Breckenridge. It'll be, it'll be a rocking atmosphere there at Buckaroo Stadium. But I, I think Breckenridge, with their size and their depth, and like I said, Cisco coming off that real physical game against Wall, I think Breckenridge comes out and gets another big win this week. I tend to agree. Um, that would be a really nice win, simply because it's that's a hard. I, th- I I agree with you, and I think that's a hard double for Cisco. Like to go and to go and beat Wall, and then to just the next week get up and beat this what is a really surging Breckenridge team. I think that's probably just asking a little bit too much. But um, 
no, I'm I'm into it. I think that that's I think that's uh, that's that's pretty good. So might be the game uh, of the week in the big picture. country, though. I think it's, the, it's oh, yeah. probably the best game right. out there in the big country this week. It's gotta be. Boy, where am I going with my fourth pick? There's like a bunch that I can do, but like I want to spread it around a little bit. Um, ba, 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 ba. all right. Here's what we're gonna do. We are going to go. Where is this game? Let's find out together, folks. Let's find out together, folks. This game is oh, it's um, it's seven o'clock, Friday night. Let's go to Corpus Christi, as at the Hornet Stadium, as okay. the one and one Corpus Christi Flower Bluff uh, Hornets take on the two and zero Corpus Christi Cal Allen Wildcats, and uh, this is mean to say, and I don't mean it this way to anybody that they've played. But I don't know anything about either of these teams yet. Like, through two games, through two weeks, I don't know anything. I know that I think Flower Bluff is pretty good, but like, and probably better than I anticipated they would be because I thought they were going to take a pretty decent step back. Mm-hmm. But like, their best result is a loss to Bernie, a team that's smarter than them. Yeah, you know, school, yeah. Um, and then last week they 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 beat they beat Laredo United South. They, that's a long road trip, and it is a bigger team and a six A team, but they only won by seven. And it's like okay, that's you know that's it's fine, I suppose if, if that's what you're into. Cal Allen, on the other hand, they beat Gregory Portland in the opener twenty two to twelve, and you're thinking, okay, wait, but Tepper, that's a pretty good win, and you're right, it is a pretty good win, but. Remember, the Gregory Portland quarterback got suffered a pretty serious injury in the first quarter of that game, and then they were more or less lost at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brent Davis's lost, team. Yeah. You know, now they got right last week against Corpus Christi Carroll, but they the, offensively they were just they they had nothing at that point. And then they play a team from Mexico, and they beat them by thirty five. And I have literally nothing to take from that aside from yeah. like, I'm glad you guys played a team from Mexico. So. So here's a real test, and and it's a it's a nice measuring stick there in the Corpus Christi. How is the Steve Campbell era really going for Cal Allen? Um, you know he's two and zero, and he doesn't know to apologize for being two and zero. For Flower Bluff, like are they for real? Like are they a team? I think their defense has shown that they're pretty good, but are they a team that is going to be a real force there in five A Division two? And and that to me is is what we're going to learn in, in this game. There's a lot to learn from this game between Cal Allen and Flower Bluff. And I think we'll start to finally get a feel for, I don't know, right now it kind of feels like, uh, it kind of feels like Miller's probably the best bet in the, fi- in the Corpus Christi area. Like what they've done so far, looks like they're the best bet. Who's that second team? Who's that team that's going to be the, the next up behind them? Um, maybe we'll find that out this week. So anyway, two teams that remain total mysteries to me throughout two weeks. I agree with you. I think we're going to learn a lot about both of these teams because we're we're going to be able to calibrate some of the results that we haven't been able to calibrate with these two teams playing each other. Um, I, for some reason, I kind of like Flower Bluff in this game just because I, I don't fully trust Cal Allen yet. Um, Flower Bluff's loss to Bernie was a little concerning, but also Bernie's a, a top team in Cal. That's a long road trip for Flower Bluff uh, mm-hmm. in week one. So I, I think Flower Bluff gets a slight edge in this one, but I think a win for Cal Allen 
I think would give us kind of be able to, we could now calibrate Cal Island to Bernie a little bit in region yes. four and kind of see how those two teams as a common opponent stack up against each other. So I think we'll learn a lot about this one. I agree with you. All right, Matthew, what is your fifth and final pick? I'm going to head also down South Tepper, but just a little further South, maybe down to the Rio mm. Grande Valley for, for mm-hmm. instance, as the two and O fighting David Gilpins, the mission veterans Memorial Patriots take on, the 2-0 Harlingen Cardinals in a battle of 5A versus 6A down in the beautiful Rio Grande Valley. And, that was and for, a great win for Mission Vets last week. Mission Vets has two really good wins under, under their belts to start to see. Yeah, they do. Be, beating 6A Mission, their rivals in the opener, and then you know taking down McAllen Memorial in a back-and-forth kind of game, 27-20. to 20. And... You know, last in week one, Mission Vets got it done kind of with the running game. Well, this week it, it was their their passing game. Vince Abrego, their their junior quarterback, and just a second varsity start, throws for four touchdowns and two hundred and thirty two yards. And the Mission Vets defense, uh, you know, against the run, especially playing McAllen Memorial, they stepped up and found a way to get the win, uh, especially in the second half, really shutting down the Mustangs' offense. Now this week the test gets really big because Harlingen right now is playing some outstanding football. Back-to-back blowout wins over Harlington South. And then last week, uh, Manny Gomez's squad puts up a 76-burger on Mercedes in a 76-21 to win. If Harlington sure. did it on offense last week, it worked to perfection. They just Whatever they wanted to do, it worked well. Um, Isaiah Bell is kind of the, the, the bell cow of the Harlington offense, but they were they were cooking, cooking on all cylinders last week in the win. Um, for me, I think this game comes down to can Mission Vets contain – a balanced and dynamic Harlingen offense. Mission Mission Vets has gone against two offenses that are good in their own right, but very one-dimensional. Mission is a pass-heavy offense. McAllen Memorial is a, is a run-heavy offense. Well, Harlingen does both, and they do both really well. Can the Mission Vets defense keep them in it against a truly balanced and dynamic Harlingen offensive attack? Uh, I think they'll keep them in it for a half, but I feel like Harlingen in the second half is just going to pull away. And Harlingen's defense, they're they're gonna they're gonna make Abrego make quick decisions. Manny Gomez's defenses love to blitz. They love to bring a lot of pressure. They're going to make the junior quarterback make some quick decisions on on on, on the fly, and they're going to hit them. And, and I, that's what really makes Harlingen a, a, a strong team down in the valley. And this is a, a big six A versus a five A. So uh, it's a big step up for Mission Vets. I think if Mission Vets can keep this one close, David Gilpin's not in a moral victories by any means. But from our perspective in the media, if they can keep it close, I think that'll be a real nice. Uh, sign that Mission Vets is a team to beat down there in Division Two in Class Five A. I I just don't see them having much of a chance to win this game, but I think it's a great measuring stick to see where they stand up against Harlingen. Yeah, I think that I think you're right. That's a um, that's a that's a it's a good way to put it. Is is this would be a real right now? I'm impressed with Mission Vets, and they've done enough for me to remain impressed with them, barring something crazy happening. If they want to like a win in this one. I don't know. It it might make me start rethinking a lot of things here. Like if they were to go out there and beat Harlingen on the road at Harlingen, let's talk about their place in the five, a division two region four pecking order. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, let's have a talk because mm-hmm. you know, we we've been talking about Liberty Hill, but like Liberty Hill has shown flaws. It's like, let's this, I don't want to overstate it, but like this would be a super impressive win if they were to, able to do it. I think Harlingen's got to be your favorite. They're a 6A. They're playing well. They're at home. 
But if mission vets can keep this thing close and respectable, then it, that would tell us a lot about exactly how this this reload is going for David Gilpin and company. So, all I right. agree. I agree. I, I, I agree. I think this is a total total measuring stick. And if, if mission vets keeps this close, I absolutely agree. You got to put them near the top in five A Division two Region four. All right, Matthew, for my fifth and final pick, um, I am going to go with a state-ranked 6A, top 20 game in 6A, 7 o'clock Friday night at Children's Health Stadium in Prosper. How about this one, the number 17 Prosper Eagles, welcoming in the number 8 Rockwall Yellow Jackets in a battle of unbeatens, in a battle of two teams that have done it in in a lot of ways in different ways. Um, this game's really intriguing to me in a lot of different ways. So, so Rockwall, we had some questions coming into the season that I believe they started in the top ten, but we had some questions about okay, how do you replace Braden Locke? How do you replace a number of these pieces offensively? Um, you know, what's this team really look like, right? Um, well, so far, so good. Um, but like, so they 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 drill Cedar Hill, they drill Dallas Jesuit in the in their first two games. And they really drilled Jesuit. That was a blowout. That ended up 51-23, and I want to say it might have been like 51-3 at some point. I mean, they were they were just absolutely clobbering them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were up. They had, they scored 48 in the first half. So yeah, offenses look good. They, uh, the, uh, they, they've got a new quarterback whose name is Mason Marshall. He has been very strong. Um, Look, he's actually you know, the backup to that's he's the backup, uh, was Lake Bennett was, is their quarterback. But right. I think he's, he got hurt. Yeah. And that's they're right. doing this with their backup quarterback. Yeah, they you're you're exactly right. I'd forgotten that, but but he has been exceptional. Um, and yeah, look, they've they've dominated their first two opponents. Now look, with both Jesuit and Cedar Hill, I have uh, severe concerns about them. Let's say going forward for both of them, but you're two and zero, and and Rockwall has only served to exacerbate those concerns that I have about them. So here's Prosper. Prosper kind of falls into that same category of their two and zero, but like they're they're so their their week one win over Euless Trinity. I think everybody goes, man, that's a really great win. I have some severe concerns about Euless Trinity <laughs> now. Yeah, um, but absolutely. But but say this for Brandon Schmidt's Eagle squad. Their defense has been exceptional. Their defense has been really good each of the first two weeks. And, and that's been their real calling card. Um, you know, offense has done its part too. They've got a, uh, they, they, they've been able to, mo- you know, mostly it's been on the, the quarterback of uh, Harrison Rosar, who's been very strong. Uh, he's, he's got kind of, kind of the, this, veteran, this, the veteran leader of that offense. Yeah. They, they, you know, they've, he's been pretty strong. They've got a, a great, a really nice core of receivers here. This is in my mind for two teams that are two and O, this is like a real, like, here's the real test for both of you. Like all at the same time, you get to take the test at the same time against one another. And for Prosper, this is the first of a double dip because then they week four, they open up district play at Geyer. So they will, this is a really nice tune up for them going up against a high powered offense, knowing they're going to have to face one in a game that really matters the next week. Mm -hmm. Um, I like Rockwall in this one. I think that for Prosper, 
like their defense has been strong, but I'm not sure that they're going to be able to go score for score with Rockwall, which is why I like the Yellow Jackets in this one. But going on the road will not be easy. Prosper has been pretty darn good at home. Um, I think this game is going to be very intriguing. It's it's the home opener, by the way, for Prosper too. They played their first two games on the road, so okay. um, I don't know. I think this. I think I think we'll learn a lot. It wouldn't surprise me if Prosper won this game though, because I think I, that there's just kind of a lot we don't know about them. Another thing I noticed looking at the Rockwall Jesuit Brock score is a uh, sophomore quarterback Landon Locke threw 17 passes in the game last week. So I wonder if uh, that's I'm I'm fairly certain he's probably related yeah. to uh, Braden Locke. And so uh, yeah, that they Landon Locke, the sophomore, he, he, he threw uh, he was he was nine of 17 for 116 yards and a touchdown. So he got some burn as well last week. I I believe he threw a touchdown on his first pass on varsity, yeah, which is yeah. a good good start, good start, good bloodline. Good start there. for him. So I'll be interested to see if, if, if I, I haven't heard anything on how because see Lake Bennett Rockwall's quarterback is much more. He played kind of that H back role yeah. for him last year. He's more of a runner at the quarterback spot, and so mm-hmm. I don't I, if he comes back, does Rockwall kind of change up what they're doing and go and kind of cater to his skill set, or has Mason, yeah. Mason Marshall in two games done enough? to win the job full time where Bennett can kind of go back to his more natural position of H back. That'll be interesting to watch when uh Lake Bennett actually does get back healthy. I, I don't have any status on his injury or how long it's going to be out. Mm-hmm. So that's something to watch with Rockwall though. So there you have it. There's our week three draft step took Westfield and Galena Park, North Shore, Cameron Yo and Waco Connolly, Katie and Katie Tompkins, Cisco and Breckenridge. And uh, what was your last game? I wrote down by scribbled. Um, oh, Mission Mission Vets in Harlan. Harlan. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I took Dangerfield and Timpson. I took Argyle and Grapevine, Shiner and Poth. Uh, I took Corpus Christi Flower Bluff, Corpus Christi Callan, and Rockwall and Prosper. And now it's time for the hipster game of the week. Matt Stepp, what is your hipster game of the week? I'm going to the Concho Valley for a little Concho Valley on Concho Valley action as the one and one Sonora Broncos take on the one and oh one and one El Dorado Eagles in a in a game that I think is a measuring stick game for two teams who we think have a chance to be really good within their perspective divisions and classifications. For Sonora, uh, they're they're both and both teams are coming off losses. So Sonora opened the season with a nice win over Ballinger twenty nine seven, lost in a heartbreaker to Cahoma thirty one to twenty seven. But you know we kind of thought Sonora and Cristobal. We're going to be kind of the two teams to beat there in District 3, uh, 2A, Division 1. While you look at El Dorado, and they beat Cristobal in the season opener uh, by the score of 7 nothing. I, I mm-hmm. don't think it was weather-shortened or anything. I think it was just one of those defensive slugfests. And so we thought, okay, El Dorado, that's a, that's a really nice win for El Dorado. And then they kind of had a mystifying loss last week to Winters, 18-12. to So That is a weird loss. Both of these teams, I don't know what to make. Of, of either one of them right now. I think this is kind of one of those games where we might learn we might learn a little bit about both of them going into this game. I, it should be a big crowd and a good atmosphere with, with these two teams being relatively local. Our computer has it as a one-point game with Sonora mm. being a, a one-point favorite. So um, I think if Sonora can beat El Dorado, then I think that may give some credence to my preseason pick of Sonora winning the district where I think most, most folks, including us in the magazine had Cristobal winning the district. So um, this is kind of a measuring stick game to see where, where things shake out in district three, two, a division one. I think El, for El Dorado, they're the clear favorites in district five, two, a division two, they should win that district. Um, you know, I, I think they should, they should handle things in that district um, with wink. I and mean, it's going to be between them and wink to win the district. 
But I think for Sonora, I think this is much more of, of a measuring stick to see where they stand in the, in the pecking order. So excited to see how this one turns out there in the Concho Valley on Friday night. Good pick. Good pick. I mean, it's not as good as my pick, but, you know, nobody can be. Yeah, Matt Stepp. Matt Stepp. I think I've got... I think I've got the most interesting game of the week for the not for my uh, for my hipster game of the week. All right. And that is seven o'clock, 730 p.m. Friday night. Let me make sure I get this right. What's the name of the stadium? Uh, no, come on, you ding dong. Um, that's what I want at Benny LaPrade Stadium in beautiful Donna, Texas. Matt Stepp. How about a battle of unbeatens between the Donna North Chiefs and the Brownsville Porter Cowboys? Okay, okay. Did you ever think I would ever say a battle? And, and it's not a season opener <laughs> between yeah. the Brownsville Porter Cowboys and the Donna North Chiefs. Let me tell you how remarkable this start is for Donna North, okay? Oh, let me tell you, it, it is remarkable. Donna North has never won more than two games in an entire season. Mm-hmm. Donna North is now 8-69. and 69, Nice. All nice. time as a program. Okay? they A full quarter of their all-time program wins have come in the last two weeks. Okay? Ha- half of their wins have come in the last two years. Yes. Two, yeah. Juan Cuevas has done a terrific job turning this program, steering this ship, and he's doing it. Let me tell you how he's doing it. He's doing it with defense. Their defense has been really good the first two weeks. They beat Edinburgh Economides 26-6. They beat La Jolla Juarez Lincoln 14-9. They want to muck it up. That's what they want to do. They want to muck it up. They went three years without 2018, 2019, and 2020. They didn't win a game. They had a long losing streak that got broken last year. This, and now, this is a program that has been bad. Yeah, and now they're 2-0. Okay, so then here's and here's Carlos Uresti's Brownsville Porter Cowboys, who have not exactly been the symbol of, of consistent success in the Valley. They haven't had a winning season since 2015, and they've only got two winning seasons since 2003. Um, and they are off to a 2-0 start. And the reason they're off to a 2-0 start is probably more on the offensive side. Their offense has been pretty good. They put up 34 in both their wins over LaGruglia and over PSJ Memorial. Now, LaGruglia is a 4A, and PSJ Memorial, I believe, is a 5AD2. Yeah, so in, in their own classification. Um, Gunnar Williams, their kind of do-it-all athlete, has been has been excellent. A lot of this game comes down to which style of game this is going to be. If this is a low scoring slugfest and Donna North can get them into uh get make them play in their playground. Kind of drag them, them in the mud. This, drag them in exactly the mud. Right. <laughs> drag them in the mud, then they're gonna have an opportunity because that that's what they want to do. They run a they run a I formation offense and they're gonna grind it at you. Mm-hmm. Um with the with what's been a big offensive line and just pound you. Um I think Donna North's gonna win three games for the first time in their program history. Okay. Um, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna beat Brownsville Porter, and I think they're gonna beat three and zero. And, um, I mean, yeah, yeah. And and you know, look, I'm not here to tell you that I think Donna North's gonna win the state championship. I do not think they're going to win the state championship. <laughs> but, 
I don't believe they've never been to the playoffs in program no, history. Never been to the playoffs. And if you take a look at the at the at the you know, um, I still think Brownsville Vets, even though they're off to a slow start, I still think they're the best team in that district. Mm-hmm. And then it's probably even though they're, I mean, depending on, I don't know, Harlingen South feels like they're down. They are. They're Do you know young. what I mean? They're very young. Yeah. yeah, very young. I'm just saying there's a chance for Donna North. The yeah. door is open, and if they are able to get this win over Brownsville Porter, they would make some pretty huge history down there in Hidalgo County. I like it. So there you go. That is my hipster game of the week, Donna North and uh, Brownsville Porter. All right, Matt Step, it's time for your country meets. Where is Matt Step going of the week? And before I do that, let's give a special shout out to our sponsor, Country Meats, because they handcraft delicious, healthier snacks that help groups and teams easily raise money with 12, 12 delicious flavors to choose from. Reach you your 12? fundraising goal. Yeah, 12. A wow. dozen, Tepper. My favorite is the hot barbecue. Uh, reach your fundraising goals fast and order yours today at countrymeats.com. Use the discount code STEP10 to get 10% off your first order. Country Meats fundraising never tasted so good. Love you, Country Meats. Love you. Uh, Thursday um, night. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, where are you going? Thursday night, I will be in Crowley. At the opening of the, I, I went, you know, I went to a stadium opening last week there in Denton at Carrico Stadium. Did you see the pictures of Carrico Stadium? I did. It looked really nice. It's a beautiful facility. They're going to get a lot of playoff games there. Uh, I'm opening up, and uh, it's me. I'm opening the stadium again this week, Thursday night. Are you going to cut? Crowley. Are you going to cut the ribbon? Yeah, I'm, I need a big oversized pair of scissors too. Awesome. Uh, the Crowley ISD Multi-Purpose Stadium, as the Lovejoy Leopards visit. Crowley to take on the North Crowley Panthers in a really intriguing uh, Thursday night matchup. Uh, can Lovejoy bounce back? And is North Crowley for real? We're going to find out Thursday night. I think North Crowley has a chance to be, especially with Trinity and their struggles. I think Ray Gates' ball club feels like they have a chance to win the district championship and a win over Lovejoy would be a big feather in their cap. Friday night, I'm headed to Wichita Falls. Where the number two ranked Wichita Falls Rider Raiders at 2 0 host DJ Mann and the Lubbock Coronado Mustangs in a really nice cross regional matchup there at beautiful Memorial Stadium there in Wichita Falls. That's where Pickle and Ish were last week, and I'll be there this week. So, uh, Wichita Falls getting some love from the DCTF crew. Looking forward to that one. Should be a really good 5 8 matchup uh, up there in Wichita Falls. And then on Saturday, I'm headed to the Alamo City Tep. A district mm-hmm. ball game in District 29-6A as the San Antonio Stevens Falcons take on the brand-new school, the San Antonio Sotomayor Wildcats. They're at Gustafson, St- Gust- Gustafson Stadium in San Antonio and Northside ISD and the district opener for both ball clubs. You could see some history there if Sotomayor can win because they've never won they're, a game. They're 0-2, yeah. So if they win right. a game, it'd be the first, first win in school history. So... Uh, I was supposed to go to Pflugerville Weiss and Converse Judson also. They were supposed to start at 3 o'clock on Saturday, but they moved the game a couple of weeks ago to a 7 o'clock start. So uh, cue the sad piano music. I can only make three games this week. Uh, man, well, the good thing is you'll have plenty of fuel for your journeys with Country Meats. I will. I'll be loaded up. 
Thanks, country mates. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm supposed to tell you to watch uh, Valley Sports Southwest on Friday night for uh, Football Friday and then High School Scoreboard Live. So please do that. It helps continue to keep me employed and it helps keep Pickle employed. So that's we good got a, We got a watch along coming up here. In a, is it next week? We do. I th- want to say. That next week? Is that I'll with... Put, uh... Uh, I we won't believe say we're looking at, yet. We'll leave. We'll leave yeah, the, I believe we're yes. looking at Thursday the twenty second. So two weeks. Oh, two weeks okay. from Thursday. Okay. Thursday the twenty second. So okay. uh, yeah, we will reveal the uh, the special guest lineup at a time of our choosing. But uh, we're excited okay. about it. Um, I'm excited yeah? for it. Okay. I'm, I'm excited. I'll be watching the watch along while I'm at a game that night. Oh, there you go. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football subscriber. Step. Thanks for your courage. Thank you. Talk to you all next week on Tap and Step.